Welcome, everybody, to episode 132 of the Whiskey and Watches podcast. Uh, it was it was bliss last week with all three of us, uh, plus the guest that was on Spangler's Upper Lip, which hopefully uh, he has not been offed yet. It had sad to see the little guy go if it actually happened, but uh, hopefully he sticks around for a little while longer. It's just Spence and Buzz back tonight. Um, you know, I know it's not the dynamic duo of Spangler and Buzz, but you know we'll try to hold it down. You know this this is the far more stable combination. It really is. It really is. Yeah, if you look at it as purely statistics, I would. It would be interesting um, to know if we've had more with just you and I, or or more with all three of us. It would be interesting to note. I, I can't really tell you if I if I had a bet. I don't know which way I would bet. Yeah, I uh, I'm with you there. I think it would be. I think it would be close. I really do think it would be. I think there are far more of you and me than there are of me and Spain. Oh, without a doubt. That's for without sure. Without a doubt. That's for sure. And there's there's obviously more of, of you and me than there are of you and Spangler. <laughs> Which there's also more of me and Spangler than of you and Spangler. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, the, the Spangler buzz pairing, the rarest. Therefore most valuable. This is true. Uh, some yeah, some might argue. They would be um, correct. <laughs> So, yes. So it's us, and I think we got a fun topic. So I'm I'm looking forward to to the conversation. But we'll start out as we always do: wrist check, drink check, in no particular order. Buzzy, what have you? Okay, sipping on a Mad Tree Happy Amber. It uh, it is an amber sort of a beer, and it makes you happy. So the name is accurate. Uh, good job, Mad Tree. I'm a little disappointed because I put out those feelers to our listeners. I, I am trying to find the equivalent of the Natter Day, but for, for fall. Uh, so I want something that is cheap to middle-priced, that is more fall-appropriate, something amberish, darkish, um, but you also need to be able to drink like six of them in a row. So, so um, I've had a lot of I've had had some some meetings with with, with people, uh, just kind of kicked around the ideas, and I think that I'm going to go for some amber box this weekend to to see if that you know, is what solves it. That was one that came to mind last week, but I didn't mention it on it, mm. and I think it makes a lot of sense. Because they are, they're not as cheap as a Natterday by any means, but I think value play, decent amber, probably a little bit more ambery than um, Yingling. Yes. Yes, agreed. Because Yingling's definitely cheaper, though. Yeah. Yeah. Yingling is not, it's close. It's actually very close. It's not quite, not quite there. Um, yeah, because you can drink Yingling year round. Like this is something you kind of you're like ah fall early winter is kind of what you're going. Yes, with. I yes, I, I I want I want the seasonal. Um, yeah, Honey Brown is kind of close too. And who doesn't love the ability to purchase something made by Genesee, old old Jenny? Um, but yeah, yeah. So please, oh. listeners, you've never steered us wrong before. Hit me up at Buzzworthy Watches. Slide into those DMs and and and, and send me straight. Tell 
Go Pete Rose style, head first, dive right exactly. in. Exactly. Yes, I like that. Um, the, uh, so I will say this, not from a listener. I, 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 I posed this to, to my wife, and she said, oh, I've got one for you. Now, it's not Amber. Okay. But what, we, what, what she has heard is the fall equivalent of the Natterday is the Milwaukee's best apple. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That would be Which, the most directly applicable, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be. It's not what you're looking for. But I can see I can see Beast Apple. Beast Apple. Yes. <laughs> God, yeah, maybe maybe I should just like dive into that degeneracy. Like <laughs> Yeah. That's actually because I, I, I somehow, and I, I blame it on following Paps Blue Ribbon account on Instagram. Yeah. I, I was I was getting ads for for Beast Apple, and I was thinking, woe be to those poor unfortunate souls that drink that. I may be a Natter Day drinker, but at least I have standards. <laughs> Maybe it's time to throw those standards out the window, buddy. I think in in uh, reality. Uh, they were pitched out the window a long, long time ago, and I'm just coming to terms <laughs> with it. Just uh, having a little bonfire of the vanities here. Is that, oh, yeah. uh, is that Savannah Rolla? What was Ted the original one? Not Tom Wolf, the uh, delightful uh, 80s book. I think it was. Anyway. No idea. Um, yeah, so that's that is what I am drinking. Um, yeah, on my wrist, it is my Tudor Oyster Prince. <laughs> Switched Ooh, it up. There you go. Yeah, thirty five, thirty four millimeters of fury. Just uh, just a scant five millimeters less than that. Uh, Black Bay 58 is my constant uh, companion on my wrist. AKA half a centimeter. Yeah. Well, you know, amongst friends who's counting, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I still haven't committed to getting a, a real bracelet for it. And I don't know. I feel that I should. Like, I, I wear my Black Bay 58 a far greater than, like, the Pareto split. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I, most of that is, I just prefer bracelets and it's so perfectly sized and featured. So I do know that I would, um, I would wear this more if it had a bracelet. So I think I gotta just do it. Like it, it's a, it's a question I've never been able to find and links that, that work uh, at all. So, you know, I, I either get a cheesy straight end link one just to, just to see if I would wear it more. I don't know that that's kind of tempting before dropping. Honestly, probably twice what I paid for this thing to buy, <laughs> buy a real uh, Rolex yeah. bracelet. Yeah. You know, how, yeah. How's that for, for just freaking gross. But um, I don't know. Maybe I should just do it. There, there's a I forget who 
what his uh, handle is, but there, there's a guy out there that's got um, an Oyster Prince like mine and a Black Bay 58, and that's just his Instagram account. He posts those all the time. Really, really like, really, really dig that uh, combination there. So, Yeah, I mean, the bracelet is the way to go, which goes back to our original point from a very long time ago when buying a new watch <laughs> get the bracelet <laughs> mm-hmm. it doesn't work it doesn't work that way with vintage watches by any means because your choices can be limited yeah. but when you're going new <laughs> come on when, when your choices uh, buying vintage are buying the one that you can buy and not buying <laughs> the watch at all yeah yes. Yes. So, anyway, there, there was right. there was Savonarola, by the way, that uh, had the, had the okay. first bonfire of the Vanities. Okay. Cool. In in in, in Firenzia, right. where uh, where our buddies uh, Panerai. Yes, that's pretty dope. Yes. Yes. All right. I will go ahead and go next. Uh, in the glass, uh, last night, my wife and I had a bonfire, which is weird for a Sunday night. Uh, also weird that we actually found firewood that would burn. <laughs> um, so, like, uh, we, we we found a place that actually carries decent firewood. and then, But it was very, very small, kind of slender, almost like kindling okay. type of woods, which was good. They, they lit really well, but, like, they burned quickly. So I went and got... Two logs that were sitting in our garage from a bundle that we got three years ago, maybe two years ago, but whatever. These logs have been in my garage out of the elements for two years. One of them caught. The other one did too, but didn't really like, it wasn't engulfed. Let me put it this way. So um, Cincinnati, not exactly the best place for aging firewood, given that the humidity never really falls below 40%. (laughs) Like, nothing burns. It smokes a ton, but nothing burns. So it was pretty exciting to find a bundle of firewood that actually, like, lit up no problem yesterday. So despite it burning quicker than we would have wanted it to. But it was fine. It was a Sunday night. Nice. Well, you'll, ha- you'll have to share your source with me. Uh, off air, so all of the uh, people in the Cincy area don't buy up all of this nicely seasoned firewood. Exactly. Exactly. And because of that, because it's bonfire season, I did go out and get a less expensive bottle of rye hmm. um, to mix with some apple cider, or as my son calls it, apple slider. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> so I've got uh, some redemption rye and uh, some apple cider in a tall glass with some ice, which is just a, I don't know, it's probably like the it's like the, the whiskey version of the pumpkin spice latte, probably, <laughs> would be my guess. Like, very basic. Like, eh, yeah. two things I like. Something very sweet and something that's that's a little spicy. Put them together. What do you got? Uh, the 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 comparison does break down there, Spence. Although I, I'm not a uh, pumpkin spice latte aficionado or any coffee coffee adjacent drink aficionado by any means. Uh, I don't think that uh, it has like the the sheer excellence that. Um, uh, that, that an apple cider has in, in causing the trots 
And then when you when you when you mix that with hard alcohol, like you know, and of course when you drink, people like to eat food that's that's not so healthy uh, and good for them. Like, yeah, that's um, oof. You, you're you're setting yourself up for a storm unlike any other. <laughs> well, now that we got that out of the way, uh, I'll talk about what's on my wrist. Um, I actually. Uh, Anybody who's followed the, the podcast account on Instagram has noticed uh, kind of what I've been doing since I thought of doing this about four days into October. I have on my blue Cincinnati Watch Company Divers Edition, but of course it is mounted to the Strap Habit pink sailcloth. Um, reminder for everybody, bro is still is still got the uh, the Nomos giveaway at the end of the month. Get out there, donate to uh, Real Men Real, Real Men Wear Pink, drop him a line, Um Entered for a chance to win that pretty sweet pink Nomos Club campus that was so nicely donated by the folks at Nomos. Um, and then I think I think Strap Habits on his last run, and it may he may only have the odd sizes left. So uh, if you're in, if you're interested in the pink sailcloth, I gotta say it's a it's a really awesome strap. It, it, I'm I, to be honest, I'm probably gonna buy uh, another one of his sailcloth straps in another color, just because this thing is is so comfortable. Um, really good hardware, really nice re- leather reinforcing uh, around the um, the pinholes, I guess, as it were, and just yeah, really all around solidly made. And uh, I think as we're learning, uh, it it goes well with with more watches than it probably should. Um, and it's almost I wonder if it's kind of like. Uh, um, like Jack Donaghy in uh, in Thirty Rock, it's called power clashing, and I do it because I can. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> you're wearing a paisley tie with a plaid shirt. It's called power clashing, and I do it because I can. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, uh, pink strap goes with uh, goes with everything because it goes with nothing. Um, <laughs> so a- a- as so, of recording, yeah. we have. 22 millimeters in stock, 21, uh, 20 millimeters sold out, 19 is sold out too. Goodness. Interesting. 18. 18 sold out yeah, too? These are all silver buckle. Interesting. Interesting. Huh. Oh, well. Uh, I bet a lot of Tudor Black Bay 36 owners. Makes sense. With the 19. That and FOIS. First Omega in space. Yeah. Even though the first one was an Omega, the first Omega in space is the... Uh, just, just a little just a little turn of phrase there for those of you who are keeping score at home. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh. Well, should we move on to our uh, our fresh forum finds? Well, yeah, you got to be fresh. I'm going to let you go last though because you said yours was so funky, so I kind of want to save that one. Okay. Mine is just a screaming deal. Okay. Um this is from the wilds of I mean, I found it on Watch Recon because that's the easiest way to do it. This is on Watch You Seek from a premium member who has 8600 almost 8700 posts. Wow, that's a lot. This is a lot. And this is this is pretty stellar. This is a Grand Seiko Spring Drive GMT reference SBGE two five three. So this is the black dial with the black ceramic bezel, the the stationary one. So the forty and a half millimeter Crown at four Spring Drive 
red uh, GMT hand. This is a flyer GMT on a bracelet for $3,500 via Zelle or wire transfer. What? Yeah, that is a, that is a screaming deal. Um, this might be from a, some sort of a dealer, though, because it's sales at Classic Time. You can email them, so I'm kind of, I guess, vet the seller there. But, like, uh, I mean, eighty almost 8,700 posts. The watch looks like it's in good shape. Comes box, papers, hang tags, everything. So, like, uh, somebody said they were sending a DM an hour ago, so maybe maybe get on that. But um, if it's not available, oh, well. But, like, this is a screaming deal. The watch looks like, I said, it looks like it's in pretty good shape. Um I mean, thirty five hundred bucks. That's a uh, that is a stellar deal for a uh, a Grand Seiko Spring Drive GMT. So, Jeez. anyways, like that's that's where I'm at. That's I think that I mean that watch retails I think right at or over six. So, okay, I think so. There may be a little bit more softness. Not not to uh, to denigrate how great a deal that is. There may be a little softness in that market because I saw. Uh, for thirty nine fifty, a um, the blue colorway, so Spring Drive uh, SBGE two five five. Okay, the blue color. Yeah. Yep. So, but it's the interesting. The uh, I think it's that's the same family. Yeah, because this is SBGE two five three. So the the two five five just one number different would. Make me think it's the color one, and then that that was marked down yeah. from forty four fifty. He listed that originally. Yeah. It's got lug holes, baby. Drilled yeah, lugs. Yeah, it does. It is the way. It is. All right. So that's what I got. What have you got? I have not that thing, uh, but I also follow me to the wilds of watch you seek it's not really that wild there have been wilder places um like ebay like ebay yeah and actual physical places too much wilder true the ebay store does exist (laughs) they do sounds (laughs) they did they did that sounds a little (laughs) silly (laughs) it is (laughs) okay so um those who are without sin should consider buying this one. Um, or even if you have sin already in your collection, okay, uh, gotta get, uh, take a look at this uh, sin 240. Okay, so remember, like the indestructible Volvo station wagon from the 80s, the yep. 240, yep. Uh, but with no, the German watchmaker sin instead of Volvo. Okay, so this is the uh, 240 STGZ, because that, that's nice, uh, Tide Watch. Okay, so this is a little nutty deal. It's got two crowns. Everyone knows how much I love watches with two crowns, um, despite not having any. I'm very, I'm very passionate about it, and, and someday having one, right? Um, so it has an internal bezel that allows you to predict the tides. If you know the time of the last tide, it, it lets uh, you predict. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, that is well, that is so useful in Cincinnati, Ohio. Place. It really is. It really is. <laughs> 
<laughs> like, oh, well, it's uh, half tied right now somewhere with tides. It, <laughs> yeah, it is uh, goofy, but kind of sweet. Like, I, I, I was looking for weird complications. I actually at first was looking for alarm watches. Uh, saw a uh, uh, Poljot uh, uh, for 60 bucks. Little uh, Ruski made uh, mechanical alarm. I thought, yeah, that's kind of cool. But let's see what other weird stuff we can find. And uh, yeah, this <laughs> this Tide watch popped up. So, um Okay, it's it's forty three wide, and um, yeah, kind of looks at I don't know. It's got hooded lugs, um, twenty two millimeter. It's f- very flat. It's eleven millimeters thick. So, Ooh, I, nice. It's the the case shape's kind of cushiony. So, um. But the dial is also a bit of it, so I can't tell you whether I think that would actually wear big or small. Um, but yeah, so all of this joy, especially if you're the sort that is nearer to the oceans, right? Uh, all, all of this uh, mechanical joy could be had for thirteen fifty. That's uh, kind of fun. Uh, that is. Kind uh, of- also, it's got. Uh, Day date, which is which is handy. Maybe even more useful than a uh, tide bezel. I know that that's a pretty. I can see the combination of those things together making more sense than not having. You know what I mean? Like, because eventually you're going to have to set the watch, and it's easier to know like when the tide was it's like oh well what day am i looking for the tide in the newspaper because internet 1.0 and uh, you're looking at your newspaper you're looking at your newspaper and saying what what okay so what's today so if i want to predict when the next tide is i need to look at yesterday's tide report not that today's tide report wouldn't be right next to it but (laughs) yeah we're going to use the complication but, to make things more complicated. But what are you going to do? Like cut out that little trimming from the newspaper and tuck it in your watch band? This is a, a far more refined exactly. way to display that exactly. information. And you know what? Exactly. I really liked Internet 1.0. Life was better before ubiquitous Internet. We were more human uh, and, and less machine. Plus, Internet 1.0 was pretty dope because like – when you signed up for the internet, because not everyone had it, like a guy from your local telephone company, ISP would come over and set up the modem and be like, Hey, you like computer games? Like we've got like a quake server. You can, can download, uh, the first, uh, world for free. Like, Oh, dope. Sign me up. <sighs> I had lots of fun. That reminds That reminds me of a joke that I saw, um, on one of my favorite Instagram follow accounts, which is at the dad. Also, you know, classic dad moves and some other stuff, uh, middle-class fancy, all of those. But one of them was, uh, and, and, you know, this is something that, you know, you, you've seen, I've seen, I mean, we're not terribly old in our mid thirties here, but you know, um, do you remember the AOL disc that you would get in the mail to upgrade your software? Um, they, uh, somebody, somebody's kids found one of those 
and was like, like, what the heck is this? And like, oh, yeah, no, this is how you installed the program that accessed the Internet through the phone line. And it's like, oh, back in my day, the Internet came in the mail. <laughs> same, same thing with Netflix. Netflix oh, yeah. just sends you DVD. The Internet came in the mail. <laughs> That's right. That was the... Uh, and I know one of the other jokes that I've seen, and this is, again, a, a roast that this gentleman will never recover from because, you know, the 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 the, um, the 90s style is coming back. Like stuff that we wore is cycling back, kind of like the stuff that we wore when we were in junior high and high school is what our parents wore in the 70s. Like that whole fashion is cyclical. And uh, he was like, oh, I was so ready to burn her. I was so ready to burn her. I was like, hey, the 90s called. And she goes, yeah, because they couldn't text. <laughs> He goes, I don't know that I'm ever going to recover from that one. <laughs> Burn. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ki- Internet 1.0. <laughs> I, I will sound like an old person. Kids really wear some ugly clothes these days. It's like, how's... When they wear them. How's anyone think... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess, yeah, we are in such a degraded time. We should just be happy that, that, that people are, are wearing clothes at all, but... Uh, yeah, like, how do you think that looks good? I'm obviously no fashion plate, but uh, I don't know. Well, speaking of wearing or not wearing clothes. <laughs> Ayo. <laughs> Ayo. Um, depending on your situation, it's probably just better to be better groomed in areas that may or may not be covered up at any given time. And, you know, if you're if you're interested in, you know, Reducing friction, reducing um, scratches, nicks, cuts, bumps, those types of things. You got to get yourself some ceramic blades, right, Buzz? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, you got to get yourself some ceramic blades. And I'll be honest with you. I got my last actual cut of my actual lawn, um, the grass in the front yard, uh, done yesterday. Uh, it had been a while. Uh, but too. I think I got the last one done. Yeah. Oh. And... Uh, the thing that I was noticing was that I probably sometime this off season need to get my lawnmower, my Toro lawnmower over to Home Depot or another local mower shop to get the blade sharpened. It's been a while. I need to get the blade sharpened. Things are getting a little, little ripped and torn on the grass, but you know what? You don't need to get sharpened. Those ceramic blades on the lawnmower 4.0 from Manscaped. See, that's where that's where you know I, it, it would take significantly longer, but I feel like if I took the lawnmower out to the actual yard, nice clean cut, just take that take a while significantly longer. Okay. Yeah, I mean that you're talking about an inch an inch deck, right? Give or yes. take on the on the on the lawnmower four point versus a twenty two inch deck on my twenty two times significantly twenty two times exactly. longer. Yeah, you're <laughs> you're looking at ha- half a work week to uh, the grass. <laughs> yeah. It's probably. Uh, <laughs> Needs cut again by the time you finished it, but other than that, it's a good plan. But you could, with the lawnmower 4.0, you could work into the evening hours because it has such a strong headlight. Ooh. Whereas my Toro, no headlight. Yeah. Now you're you're riding mower. It my- does. It does have a, uh, a headlamp. Um, but okay. To to be fair, I don't. I would never misrepresent any anything uh, from from Manscaped or really anything, right? Or, um, yeah. we're, we're not here to embellish uh, on this podcast. Correct. Um, 
Lawnmower 4.0, uh, one, one thing it, it does not have, it does not have a mulching blade like like a normal lawnmower. No, <laughs> Probably a good idea. Probably a good, good selection on Manscaped's part. <laughs> Um, but it, but those those um, blade cartridges are uh, removable. So if you want to have two, you know, one for facial grooming and one for non-facial grooming, facial grooming. yeah, you, uh, I would encourage that. But yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a great uh, great tool. I'm I'm really really pleased with mine. Yeah. So you know that's. Uh... It's, it's still continuing to be like mild sweaty season with the advent of pants entering the wardrobe um, on a more regular basis than just shorts. Um, so, uh, you know, not that I'm rocking the three and a half inch that Spangler and his mustache tend to wear. Um, but still, you know, any type of shorts does allow for a little bit more circulation, especially if you're wearing boxer briefs 2.0 with the mesh panel. But uh, crop preserver still uh, still. It goes on every day, and I don't see I don't see that changing even through winter. Just because you know, it's always good to be fresh. Yeah, why 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 would it change? You have something that works. Exactly. Stick with it. Exactly. And if any of this is interesting to you, or you want to be a repeat customer, and you want to get the same discount, you can let them know that we sent you by using promo code Buzzcut for twenty percent off and Free shipping. Let them know that the guys from the Whiskey and Watches podcast sent you. That's right. All right. Well, moving on from uh, tending your lawn, both literally and figuratively, um, I wrote an article that dropped yesterday, along with a watch that dropped yesterday, um, for Fratello, but the watch isn't at Fratello. You you shouldn't drop watches. They don't like it. This is true. Uh, Rick will get mad at you if you do that. (laughs) Um, That's an inside joke. (laughs) <laughs> for, those, for those keeping score right. um, anyway we'll let you guess which Rick we meant but um, there was a watch that dropped uh, through the wind up watch shop and was released by Benris uh, they are reissuing a more modern tastes uh, from a size perspective uh, series 3061 which I think it's an interesting way they chose to launch this. I mean, the the exclusivity through Wind Up Watch Shop makes sense. They they've been at, they're at Wind Up, you know, making partnering there. They 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 dropped the original, the or the reedition of the Type One, Type One or Type Two, Type One. I don't remember whichever type it was via Hodinkee. So you know, it seems to make sense that they're partnering with kind of the, you know the, the blogs that have retail uh, shops. But they're doing so with sort of like a fan fiction uh, parallel universe or extended universe um, kind of nod to the film where most of you may know this watch from, which is 1968's Bullet with Steve McQueen. Um, So I think it's just kind of a creative way to kind of call our attention back to it's like, hey, where do I know this watch from? Where are we riffing on here? It's like, oh, it was in Bullet, you know, with all the the car chases. And I, I will confess fully. Um, I had to take to Wikipedia to understand kind of what to talk about in the movie because I, I'm aware of the car chases. I'm aware of the Mustang. I'm aware of the Charger. Um, have not seen the movie. <laughs> so. <laughs> I've I've caught a significant amount of the movie and the car chases, like, 
it kind of overshadows everything. It's hard to retain anything else. I'm and that's what I've heard. <laughs> I mean, it, it's great. It, it's great car chase. Um, oh, that's what I've heard. I've heard it's a it's it's a excellent car chase with like a kind of okay movie that surrounds it. <laughs> yeah, both car chases. What what's not the love there? The things they got away with filming uh, those chases back in the day, you could not get away with those now. <laughs> no, but it was a different era. But the interesting thing, so like I, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of the watch. I think they did a really good job, kind of taking the vintage. You know, it's it, the, 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 the series three hundred six one, or at least the original thirty four millimeter field watch, looks like. You know, civilian version of the mil spec um, obviously looks like a Hamilton khaki field mechanical, like the original Benris that came out uh, issued during the Vietnam War era. Um, and then obviously the thing that set the civilian issue one apart was a little bit of a different polishing pattern, a case back that actually had a Benris logo instead of like the mil spec, uh, you know, numbers on there. And then it had a red arrow tipped seconds hand, which... We're all watch nerds. We love that pop of color. Yes, we do. Um, that's what really, you know, really ties it together. Um, but they, they really kind of stayed true to the original design. They did upsize a little bit for more modern taste. Uh, went from 34 millimeters, which is a bit a bit slight. I know Buzzy's rocking the 30, 34 millimeter Oyster Prince right now. So it, it I would have maybe liked to see like a 36 or a 37, but they went to 39 and a half. But the, the shorter lug to lug that this watch has makes it work. You know, we'll, we'll make it work on a lot of wrist types, and um, you know, obviously black dial watch, even with a slight pop of color, there going to be a strap monster. So, uh, like, well, and the other thing um, to to uh, transition it to the um, the civilian model for, from the military model, they they did have to uh, take off the uh, pusher that plays Fortunate Son. Yes, yes, they did. Um, they did. They did that, do that. that. That's how all those Vietnam movies. That's actually how, how they filmed that. They they just uh, you know pressed uh, pressed the button and fortunate son played. Um, that that's not how it happened. That, that button was probably on the helicopters, not on the watches. I know. I'm just being silly. <laughs> oh, buzzy. Uh, oh, buzzy. But no, it's. Uh, I think it's kind of a creative way to. Uh, to launch a watch to like kind of do i mean yes it's fan fiction yes it kind of leans into the whole the whole bullet vibe but i mean most of the watches we see either come from press releases or you know some other type of storytelling i mean at least a video is kind of an interesting way to put it all together in a video to remind you of hey why do i remember that watch oh yeah that was in bullet you know um so i i think kind of the whole idea of going out of your way to shoot a small film to launch a watch is interesting. It's creative. I kind of tip the cap to Benris and, and Warren Wound for doing that, but it kind of leads us into the, uh, the rest of the topic that I think we'll cover for the rest of the podcast is how much creativity is there in the watch space right now? And, you know, how does the whole vintage reissue scene either kind of fuel or kind of remove some of the creativity? I mean, a lot of brands do have fantastic back catalogs and they are re-releasing watches that we kind of wish never went away. But are we seeing that happen at the expense of new creative ideas? I don't know, Buzzy. What do you think? All right. So um, 
let's let's break this one down a couple of ways. Um, I think there's still plenty of creativity in the overall watch space, uh, mostly because to me, um, the small examples or or any concrete example of um, doing something pretty slick, pretty, pretty different um, will outshine um, the lack of creativity or stasis, right? Um, So the, the fact that the overall watch space, uh, you know, I mean, that's, that's everything from micro brands to hot horology and that everything in between. So, so the fact that, that the crown still sells the same, however many watches that they've always sold and like, Oh, <laughs> they, they released a new yacht master one that is wait, wait a minute. That's new. You know, like I thought that they already yeah. had that one. Right. Uh, so that, uh, that's certainly very true that, that there are plenty of, of large brands in stasis. Um, but to me, all of the examples of new creative stuff, um, you know, out, uh, outshine them. Um, as far as launches, uh, when we were talking before the episode, I mean, you, you had some some good examples of some other creative launches. I'll I'll let you share those. Sure. Uh, the one that came to mind, uh, our buddy Mike uh, was with Breitling for the release of the new Navitimer or the new Navitimers, I should say, because there were several colorways across several different sizes in that range. Um, but essentially. A couple chartered flights with um, brand reps, kind of, you know, dressed as uh, kind of more period um, flight attendants, as it were, walking around with like the carts that had the different watches on them that you could try on. And so, chartering a flight to do uh, a press release of a pilot's watch, I think, is kind of cool. I know, you know, Breitling has really kind of leaned heavy into that because I remember Cole was on a Cole Pennington was on a. Um, another launch it wasn't for a navitimer i can't remember exactly the model but essentially they're on an old you know world war ii era plane one of the larger kind of like it was d29s or something what was it that was a dc3 it probably you know it might have been a dc3 i can't remember exactly the plane but i remember that behind them pulled up a was it a um uh, it was a p51 mustang a uh, what were the other two? But essentially, three World War II era fighters. Um, what's the a Spitfire and uh, was it a Mosquito? Maybe one of those. That th- essentially they, the the watches that they launched that were tied to the World War II era planes. You know, as you're in that DC three flying around, you see these vintage um, fighter fighter planes. You know, pull up and kind of do some stuff out the window. Just that's that's a that's a cool way to to launch a watch. I mean, going over and above to shoot a small movie, not like not anything feature length, but to shoot a small film, to launch a watch that's creative. I mean, you know, a lot of the watches that we see, you know, kind of are launched either via press release or, you know, at a booth at a trade show type of thing. I mean, that it's, it's kind of like seeing the new Corvette roll out on the stage in Detroit. Like it just, you know, it kind of, it's kind of what you expect, kind of what we come to know, but, it's it's what is done every year, so it's interesting to see some brands leaning into that, uh, the the kind of the new creativity 
of, of how to draw attention to your to your launch. Yeah, exactly. I mean, to me, the actual launches, um, you know, the those the creativity of, of those is, is separate from from what uh, is going on with the product. Um, oh, I agree completely. You know, I I think that. Um, they're obviously very important. I mean, the, the world's best product actually really won't sell itself. Um, as as loath as I am to admit it, uh, marketing is required. I mean, it's not quite it's not quite Schmidt from New Girl. You know, without marketing, you'd <laughs> be dead in three days. Um, but but it is important if if you want to have a product that will sell. Um, as far as like the the vintage reissues, uh, I, I think that they they serve in a, a very important role because uh, vintage watches are obviously are currently hot. They've been hot, you know, so hot right now, right? And uh, a lot of very desirable watches are either not available at any price or not available at prices that make it reasonable um, for, for an average watch enthusiast uh, to, to buy, right? Even if they're very strongly motivated. So uh, a well done reissue, you know, helps give you um, the, the modern package, right? Uh, not having to worry about uh, water intrusion, timekeeping, right? All, all, yes. all of those things there, the, the minefield of uh, vintage watches. Uh, and then all, also, obviously, um, availability. But too much of just releasing reissues makes your brand dead right i mean this is what hollywood like i i don't think of any one i can't can't think of anyone that would uh disagree with the statement that uh hollywood is in a creative slump right i mean we we did both, both uh, you and I did a lot of our growing up in the '90s, which was a wonderfully generative time. Right? I mean, there there were still blockbusters back then, summer blockbusters. Right? What's the last thing that was like a Jurassic Park or an Independence Day? The Jurassic Park Six or Independence Day Three? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but. But yeah, I mean, to your point, like a lot of the things that you're describing as a, as a summer blockbuster, they still exist. They're just a continuation of a franchise. It's you're continuing to tell the same story over and over again to a degree. Um, I, I I think, you know, the whole idea of the vintage reissue, bringing back something that in some cases maybe shouldn't have gone away. You know, I, I think you look at what affected the Swiss watch industry 
with the quartz crisis and a lot of companies went away. Like a lot of these models didn't go away because people didn't buy it. Like not like, I guess it is because people didn't buy it. But it's because these brands didn't survive the, you know, the quartz crisis or the form in which they survived or the form in which the IP transitioned through that time period wasn't clean. Yeah. I mean, you look at Rolex and, and I say that Rolex doesn't have any vintage reissues because you can look at a new Submariner and say, well, that just looks like, like you look at a new one and one from 1953 and say, those are eerily similar. Um, like you can see the whole design language. It never really went away. I mean, do people, will people say, oh, the 41's, you know, too big or I don't like the shininess of the Saracrone bezel or whatever. Yes. You can't argue though, that those things aren't material improvements to just like, yes, it is blingier. Yes, it is flashier, but the Saracrone bezel won't scratch. It may shatter, but you can replace it. It won't scratch. It will look new. It won't lose its color. It won't fade. And I get that as watch nerds, some of us like those things. But as far as improving the product, it's better. You know, it, objectively, it is a tougher tool watch to a degree. So I, I think bringing back something like the Benris, bringing back, you know, the dual crown diver that Longines has brought back, bringing back some of these designs is great. I will say I tend to prefer it from watch from watch companies who have done that before. Meaning, hey, if I'm going to launch something that is a Longines Legend Diver, I'm going to like it's it's better if Longines does that. Now I'm not trying to say that the folks in the micro brand space who are doing something like that um, are ripping because they're not. They're in most cases those designs are kind of hybrids or stylized versions of kind of what you would have expected from a watch. The designs are a little bit more original. They aren't really saying, "Oh, that's just a you know a, a, an XYZ watch from this brand that no longer exists." Um, I, I think it's I think it's kind of I kind of prefer it to see I kind of prefer to see it from the brands who made those before. That said, to a degree, I kind of almost wish they would do as much of a one for one reissue as they could. Meaning, you know, if it was a 34 millimeter watch, maybe make it 34, 35, 36, maybe like, don't, don't go all the way to 40. Like I, I get you're going for modern tastes, but that's really, if I want something to look vintage, I kind of want it to look all the way vintage. I don't own it anymore, but I feel like that Rodeau Diastar that I did the 50, that, that I had the 50th anniversary edition, that was like a one for one of the original. I mean, it was, it was tiny. It was great. It had a folded link bracelet it had a spring-loaded clasp that was super thin. Like, if you were going for a vintage Diastar, like, that was what it was. So, um, I don't know. I, I think I think brands are kind of playing it a bit safe from that perspective, though, when it comes to those vintage reissues, because that is kind of where tastes have trended lately. And, I mean, to your point, Buzzy, anything that is new and creative, like, Everyone has an opinion on it, but I feel like now again, watch watch nerds aren't most consumers by any means, and there aren't. I think there's more of us now than there ever have been, or at least more people who consider or who are looking at watches now. And I think you know, as 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 wild and as crazy as fashion is, like you still kind of look at us like, oh, somebody's wearing all this. Oh, and they got a date just on because the date just just makes sense. It's like, okay, that's fine, but like. Like a Lindy Wordland octopus. Like, think about that. Like, think about that. Think about a lot of stuff that Ublo does or some of the stuff that the, the AP Royal Oak, like, concepts. Some of those watches are kind of crazy. You're like, is that really for me? Now, some of that's because of the price tag. But, like, 
you can get like you can get a deal on a used octopus. Like, is that really where you're going to go? Like, you could say that's a that's a heck of a new design. Um, but I, I think those types of things are a lot more hit or miss than a oh that's that's nice. Like, like you know what I mean? Like, people will see a new version of a khaki Ham- or Hamilton khaki field mechanic and be like, oh, it's you know slightly better. Oh, it's a different. Oh, it's bronze now. Oh, cool. that's nice. Like, that's nice. Versus, you know, you see a Bulgari Octafinissimo, and that's either something you like or something you don't. Like, it, it's, I think that is, and we've talked about this a little bit, and other folks have as well, of the more forward-looking modern designs, Octafinissimo is kind of one that's all its own, but you can kind of see as, oh, that's that's one of the ones that we're going to look back on and say, yeah, that was a, a pretty classic design of the era. But it is, it is I don't want to say divisive, it's one that it either works for you or it doesn't. The uh, that that entire Octo family. I mean that that's been a, an, another flourishing of, of creativity. Um, the uh, different uh, different materials, the the ultra thin, the complications. I mean, it, it's been funny enough. Um, you know, when we were talking earlier about just overall, is there any creativity left? in the watch game like that was in my head <laughs> the the uh, kind of extended octo family so that, that's one that i've i've not uh worn or seen in the flesh but could see myself buying it uh it wears really well i've tried one on before um it's kind of ridiculous for it. I don't want to say it has a big footprint, but I mean, it, it like given its it dimensions and its shape, it has a big footprint, but for something that's that big for it to be as thin as it is, it, it's really kind of a, it just, it kind of, it kind of messes with your head. You're like, this is just, this is, there's something here doesn't compute. I, I, and it's funny. Like I've heard somebody say the same thing. Not that I've ever owned, like not that I've ever touched one, but I can remember listening to an, a very old episode of um, Hodinkee Radio with uh, Stephen Pulverit and James Stacy, and they were talking about the time they got to try on a Richard Mille Rafa Nadal edition. And he's like, "You see this watch?" And I mean, they're not small watches. And you pick it up, and you're like, "Wait, that's it? Like this? That that that's not right? Like that? Like it just it blows your mind that something that is that size and that shape could weigh so little? Like just kind mm-hmm. of. I mean, there are." Not that those designs are for me by any means, but like there are some things that are a little bit more creative or really kind of like, like I said, it's, it's one of those things that you put that and you're like, oh, that's that, that, that shouldn't that either shouldn't work as good as it does. That shouldn't feel like it does. It just, it, it kind of makes you think about something differently because what you see isn't necessarily what it feels like tactically, like it, it should this this watch should weigh more than this this watch should be thicker than this how is this working um is kind of where i'm going with that so um yeah i guess i mean there is still some creativity in the design like i i i tend to like the fact too that we are still trying to push some bounds technologically um i think the new granted it is programmed in a quartz module but that new Mars timer, uh, the X33 from Omega, pretty sweet. And the interesting thing is, is you're like, well, 
I know we kind of talked about the idea of Mars time before. I know Chaikin is kind of doing something on one of his watches. Um, one of the other brand, I can't remember. It was a brand that was on 40 and 20, uh, you know, kind of working on a, kind of a module there to show earth time and Mars time. But you know, the, the funny thing is, is like, you know, we haven't put a man on Mars yet, but there are people on earth who are controlling robots that are doing experiments on Mars. So the whole concept of needing to know Mars time versus earth time and where it's at and the translation actually is applicable to, albeit a very small subset of engineers and scientists on earth, but it is applicable. <laughs> so it's not like, it's not Mars time for Mars time. Like just, it's not like a neat party trick. It does have a use, um, which I think is what's important. Like we're still using horology and technology within watches to solve some type of problem. Um, because you're right. You can't, if you're one of those scientists and you like, I have to imagine your schedule's a little bit different than kind of the rest of us. Fair, fair uh, assumption. I also have yeah. to ima- yeah. I also have to imagine that it's not like yes, you could you could do the calculation in your head of okay, if it's this time here and I know that Mars and Earth are this far apart. I mean, I guess if you're that type of a person, you can probably do this in your head. Um, but like no, no, no. I need to <laughs> if you're getting paid to do calculations, you don't want to bring your work home with you, right? Let's That's let's very make fair. it That's very fair. easy. At a glance, but if if your whole if you like you're like okay, well I need to be in an hour before I need to do this. It's going to take me you know 27 minutes to beam the code from Earth to there, and it needs to happen at around this time on Mars, which means that I need to convert and it's like versus okay if I've got the X the new X33, I can say oh I need to set an alarm for X time Mars time to make sure that I get in into the office in enough time to run my experiment. Like there's a practical application. Yes, we're creating a, a Mars alarm clock, if you will. Um, but there is a practical application there um, for again a very small subset of folks. But it's it's cool that we're still solving problems like that. Um, you know that that I think that's that's you know inherently creative. Um, and I think you know trying to push technical bounds to like making watches thin just to make them thin. I mean, do you, do you remember the, the race um, with cell phones? Like that was kind of the whole idea. How small and how thin can we make them? The Motorola Razor, like, Oh yeah. That watch or that phone. Holy cow. That was revolutionary. Yeah, it, it was, you were the hot stuff. Almost swore, but this is a family podcast. Maybe at times, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. You you were pretty hot stuff if you had one of those. Uh, and I honestly, I haven't handled one in years because I was not hot stuff. Okay, I had like the crummiest one that that came with with the plan. Um, I would still think that that thing holds up today as a uh, you know good pleasing tactile uh design well i would agree and i think the thing like when you talk about when you talk about the design and pleasing from a tactile perspective it had a metal chassis and i think Mm -hmm. you, you you switch to the iphone or things like that and yes yes other smartphones have metal or glass chassis but i mean you talk about what makes an iPhone or some of these higher end cell phones feel high end. It has a substantial weight in your hand. It has 
a metal kind of case band, as it were. It's it's got an either metal or or glass backed um, you know body, and I think you go to we kind of talk about you know obviously titanium adds lightness to to a watch or adds lightness to anything that that is made out of it relative to steel, but you know the, the you kind of. I think that's one of the things that some titanium watches have to get over is it's like, oh, this, this, because it feels so light, maybe it feels a little cheap. You never really had that with the razor. You don't really have that with an iPhone. You have like, there is a sense of weight to that product. And in some ways you're like, oh, it should be smaller. It should be lighter. It should be, you know, more comfortable to use. But there is a point for humans. I think that once you go too light, once you go too small, it's like, uh, this kind of feels um, chintzy or cheap, as it were, yeah. and that's it's a fine line of, of at what point is this like? Oh, this is a brick; it's too heavy, or or ooh, this is substantial. Like when something goes from being heavy to being substantial or being quality, I feel like a lot of that has to do with weight and feel, and less to do with the materials and things like that. Oh, big time! So I think I might try to. You can't explain it. <laughs> I think I might try getting. An OG uh, razor now. <laughs> I might still have my old one. I had one in college, well, and I I don't know where it is, but I like I can't imagine I threw it away, and I can't imagine the trade in value was anything uh, back then, if that was even a thing. Um, hey, thirty six, thirty eight dollars uh, on eBay for a razor. Yeah, on eBay. All right. 100% genuine, professionally tested, and full working order. My only concern with that would be, will it talk to the cell towers? <laughs> yeah. Mm. Be nice. It would be cool. It would be cool. All right. Yeah. Well, I... I I don't know. I don't know. You have uh, much more to to add on here. I feel like we went off the rails with the whole "I'm possibly buying a razor" thing. We did. We did. I, I mean, I, I just kind of go back to. I think there is a time and a place for vintage reissues, but I, I think I, I would be I would caution brands. And again, this is not that any of them are listening to like keep pushing forward because if, if at the end of the day, everything that comes out is just a new version of something that used to exist, I think we kind of lament, okay, where's the new model? Like I would love to see somebody do an entirely new model. Our friends at Oris did the PPX uh-huh. is a halo with the baby PPX underneath it. That's an entirely new model. I mean, you could argue that it's part of the pro pilot series, but like there's nothing, there's not much in their catalog that looked like that prior. So New models, new things to be excited about. You know, if we're always if we're all chasing the same vintage designs and vintage watches and vintage reissues or LEs, it's it's going to get pretty boring pretty fast. So there still seems to be enough to keep us interested. Hopefully, that stays the same going forward. And I'm kind of curious to see what the next next design, next new model is. It's going to blow our minds. We haven't seen one in a while. Curious as to what it's going to be. Without a doubt. But that's what makes it fun, man. So we'll see if Buzzy buys a razor. We'll talk about that next week. Not a scooter, a phone. Yeah, I still have my scooter. (laughs) 
much to the chagrin of your ankles, I'm sure. Big time. (laughs) And on that bombshell, we'll catch everybody next week. (laughs) See ya.